Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So there's a lot to get into on today's show. We talked all about Brittany, had the most impassioned discussions on homecoming and Sunday service. We talked Coachella, Justin Bieber, did our whole Kardashian recap and a lot more. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. <laughs> and literally, there has never been so many things to discuss. I know we say this every week. I know, I know, I'm aware. It's just like, this week is heavy. No, I feel like we're the boy who cried wolf. Yeah, we are. It's like every week, there's so much, there is so much, and everything is so intense. I'm like praying for us this this episode. <laughs> Good, pray for us. <laughs> you should see us sitting here. We feel like we're about to like take an exam. I'm, I'm feeling nervous. Why am I nervous? We do this every week. <laughs> Because there's so many topics. Okay. Obviously, we're going to get into it all and we're going to try to do so in a very cohesive way. Um, First things first, I feel like we've been starting every single episode doing this because it just is a developing story. We wanted to give you a college admission scandal update. Not that there was anything crazy at all, um, but we just like to keep you guys informed. So as we reported on last week, um, Lori Laughlin and her husband denied the plea deal and they are pleading not guilty. This is, again, very allegedly because we don't know, but what we've heard is that she's still not on good terms with um, her daughters, and apparently specifically Olivia is just really distraught, which I I mean, we could all imagine that she would be, obviously. Um, So apparently Felicity Hoffman can get four to ten months in prison and could also end up just being placed on house arrest. Who knows? So a couple of celebrities since last week have spoken out on it. First off, Kim Kardashian was on Van Jones's show. And, you know, he asked her about it and she said, and I quote, if they couldn't get into a school, I would never want to use privilege to try to force them into a situation that they wouldn't thrive in anyway. That's what I see as not appropriate. Um, You know, she said that she tries, her and Connie work really hard to try to ensure that their kids are kind and grounded. And she said that um, I want my kids to be as grounded as possible. To buy your way into something would just, just wouldn't benefit anybody, which was like a very, that sparked headlines everywhere. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, that's always funny about these situations is like, 
what did they think she was going to say? Like, yeah, I would totally use privilege to get my kids. Like, she gave the right answer, and I believe it's her honest answer. It's just like, what what else was what she going to say? say? This morning, um, Bob Saget was on the Today Show, and they asked him, and he literally said, you know, I love Lori. They asked, like, do you talk to her? And he just said, I love Lori, and I have no comments. I want to respect her privacy. And this is just uh, he's, his exact world. Like, it's a strange time. And that was it. A strange time it is indeed, Emma. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Bob, we, we understand. Um, so there's that, just for anybody curious. I think that—oh, <laughs> God, I'm dreading talking about this. Okay, I think that the thing that everybody's the most curious about is the hashtag Free Britney movement. It's funny that you're dreading it, and I'm so fucking excited. It's not that I'm not excited. I, I, I'm fascinated by it, and I want to get into it. It just has to be dealt with such a level of um, care, I guess. And we will. And we will. No, we're just going to tell you the facts. We're not giving any hot takes here yet, at least. <laughs> yeah, I might go rogue. So there's a podcast called Britney's Graham, and they have an Instagram account also. And it is co-hosted by Tess Barker and Barbara Gray. And basically, these two women started this podcast to talk about Britney's Instagram antics. Because as you know, they were a little all over the place. And that was literally the purpose of this podcast, just to break it down. And a couple months ago when she went radio silent, basically, in January January, as a result of, you know, apparently her father being ill, they were like, okay, well, we have no content now to look at on her Instagram. So they started doing some investigative journalism, basically, as to what is going on with her. Because, you know, we haven't heard a lot from her. We had them call in to give like a one minute um, brief synopsis, but the audio just uh, isn't cooperating. So we're just going to break it down for you guys. But these women are incredibly devoted to this cause and really have like made it their life's work to kind of understand what's going on with Brittany. Right. Right. So I, I want to start, I guess, by saying what happened, how they initially started to break the story and then you can take take the reins. How's that? I would love to. So- as, once they started to do some more research on what was going on with Brittany, and of course they learned about, and, and it's a, been a known thing that since 2008, she has been under a conservatorship. And for anybody that doesn't know what that means, I just want to read the definition of what a conservatorship is, because I think a lot of people don't actually know what that is. So what that is, is, and I'm reading this, it's a legal concept in the U.S. where a guardian or a protector is appointed by a judge to manage the financial affairs and or daily life of another another due to physical or mental limitations or old age. So as we know, when all the shit went down with Britney and the whole head shaving times, her father, Jamie Spears, was put as her conservator and she has been under this conservatorship. Okay. So these women are recording this podcast and they're learning more about it. And they get a voicemail um, who they consider to be an incredibly reliable source. And it was from a paralegal at one of the law firms that was dealing with Britney's legal affairs. I'm going to read you verbatim what that voicemail said, okay? It said, hi there. I cannot disclose who I am. I just heard the latest episode and you guys are on to something. What is happening is disturbing to say the least. Basically, Britney was in rehearsals for domination. It came to Jamie's attention, that's her dad, that Britney was not taking her medication as prescribed. She was missing a lot of doses and just full on not taking them. So they got her to the doctor and the doctor said, okay, if you don't want to use these medications, let's get you a new one. She refused to take the new one. Jamie said, either you take this medication or the show's off and I'm pulling my support and you can't do it. Brittany did not follow Jamie's instructions. So he was true to his word. He pulled the show. He verbatim said, blame it on my illness. Brittany has been in a mental facility since mid-January. There is no timeline. There is no end date, particularly in sight for this day at this mental facility to end. She did not want to go. From what I understand, this is not a decision she made at all. 
Again, that was the voicemail that was left on this Brittany Graham's podcast line from a paralegal that was working at the law firm that was dealing with a lot of her legal dealings. Okay, that's step one. Now, Julie, go from there. It's First of all, the story is crazy. I, I want you to know that I genuinely haven't been this invested in a story since somebody was like, hey, you guys hear about this O.J. Simpson fella? <laughs> I was like, no, tell me more. That's how I feel here. Like, it, there's just so much to it. It's so interesting. And it's, it's really gained a lot of traction because the thing is, you know, we, we can't know for sure whether or not she's actually being held against her will in a mental facility. There's just really no way at this point of knowing. I believe their source, of course, because I think he's very legitimate, but we don't have facts there. We do have facts about, however, is that the conservatorship is in place. And and when the conservatorship was put in place, it was supposed to be temporary. It was supposed to be 2008. We'll review at the end of the year. And the whole point of it was so that Brittany would be able to get custody of her kids back. And she, you know, she did the first year of the conservatorship. And then when she was going to go on tour, the conservatorship didn't end. I guess from what I've heard, um, the, the tour... Live Nation wouldn't, I believe it was Live Nation, wouldn't back up a tour or allow her to do a tour unless she remained under the conservatorship. So she remained under conservatorship. This is now 10, 11 years later, and she's still under this conservatorship. And I think what people have to understand about the conservatorship is I think it varies really person to person and whoever's in charge of it, you know, can handle it differently. In Brittany's case, from what we can understand, like every single aspect of her life is controlled. So it's not just her finances. It's who she can hang out with, who she's allowed to be with what she's allowed to put in her body, what what money she's allowed to spend, if she's allowed to have her kids in her custody. Every single aspect of her life is controlled. So they kind of dug into this a little more based on that. So I think the, first of all, the thing to understand is that the free Britney hashtag, yes, has a lot to do with like, she's supposedly in in a mental institution against her will. But even more than that, it's, it's, she's being, put under this conservatorship and her whole life is being controlled and and the free Britney hashtag is really freer from this conservatorship. So there's a few like signs pointing at like everything that we're being told about this is true. And one of the biggest ones is that Lynn Spears, Britney's mom, was liking comments on her Instagram about, you know, like supporting Britney and, and we're here for your family and, and um, we want Britney to be free and we want her to be un- like under this control. And she was liking those comments. And, and I looked because a lot of times that I noticed that like older parents and like moms will do on Instagram is they'll just go through and like everything without reading it. So I was like, let's let's check here and make sure that's not the case. It wasn't. It was about like two or maybe three comments that she liked. And that and that was it. And they were they all had to do with um, like saving Britney, essentially. Um, so. What's really interesting about the conservatorship is while everyone knows that it's in place, um, it's Brittany's not allowed to talk about it. So there is there is this incident. There's been a few incidents where it's been brought up and and either edited out of of like footage that was shown or 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 like taken out of interviews. So Brittany did this interview on what I believe is the Jonathan Ross show, and um, she said she was talking about her new album and and what she wanted to do with the album. And she said, you know, I'm under this conservatorship and I have been for three years. This is a couple years back. Um, and so I, I really wanted to like feel like the album was mine because my whole, my life is so controlled. And, and this is what she said. And, and the live audience there knows she said it. They heard her say it. But when the, when the video was played and it aired, that part was completely cut out. So it's not just that she's under this conservatorship. It's that she can't, she's not even allowed to mention it. There was a video that I was watching yesterday of her signing an autograph and apparently she's not, allowed to, she's not allowed to take pictures. She's not allowed to sign autographs. Her dad pulls her away from signing the autograph and she looks at her dad and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 
Like every single aspect, there was another thing where she said, um, and I believe this was also cut out of an interview where she said like, it's not worth it for me to go out and hang out with friends because it's too exhausting to get permission and and clear everything. Right. Which is kind of reminds me of the Iggy Azalea thing. So, um, Iggy Azalea a couple years back was on Watch What Happens Live and she was saying how Britney was coming over to her house for something and that before- Like literally for lunch. Like literally for lunch. And that before she came- Britney's team came to like search the house, make sure everything was like kosher, make sure, you know, they weren't going to have any drugs or this or that. It was, she was like, yeah, I guess I passed Britney's team's test. She said that to zero harm. Like she was not trying to throw under she, the well, bus. She didn't even realize what she was saying. She, she didn't even, yeah, she didn't even realize what she was saying. She was just saying like citing it as kind of a weird anecdote that happened. And then everybody now we're looking back at that clip like, oh my God. Also, of course, you know, when this st- stuff starts to happen, everybody starts to come out. So an extra, um, an extra TV intern or employee or something came out and said that he was literally fired from, from extra, like from working banned. No, he was banned from working with Britney because he asked for a selfie and her dad like freaked out. So that, those are just the facts of what's happening. Like right. there, it is a fact that she's under conservatorship and has been since, since 2008. Whether or not she currently is being held in a mental health facility against her will, that we don't know. It is just what we can speculate based on all of the other evidence. I will say, so yesterday, of course, she made headlines. She was spotted for the first time leaving the montage in Beverly Hills with her boyfriend, Sam. And apparently she was out on like a day trip from the mental health facility. And you could see she looked kind of disheveled. She was wearing Birkenstocks, which for some reason made headlines everywhere. And what people are saying is that this was very staged and incredibly calculated by her team, kind of like to show her. In right, light of, like, in light of, they like they know what's happening. They know that this massive movement is being undertaken. And they wanted to kind of show her, like, no, 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 she's fine, she's fine. I, I have no idea. I, honest, I, I would never feel qualified enough to be able to say like this is this is definitely the cases. My gut feeling about this is that something's really off. Um, I feel that way. One from her mom liking the comments. From it makes sense based on the way that some of the comments that she has made. Interesting to note is that yesterday night, um, also known as last night, uh, <laughs> Jamie Lynn Spears posted an Instagram. It was a video of her and Brittany, and it was from a while ago. And she wrote, 10 years ago, who was there? I've been here long before anyone else, and I'll be here long after. I love my sister with everything I have. So anyone or anything that speaks to the co- to the contrary can get the fuck out of here with all the comments about what you don't understand. Do not come for me or the ones I love anymore. You can move the blank out of here with all that, just like the other lady who was running her mouth. Basically, what happened is that people are coming to Jamie's page being like, you're not protecting Brittany. Whereas we have no, we have no idea what the fuck she's doing. I'm sure she's right. doing like, how do we know what's happening behind closed doors? It's true. Jamie has been nothing but supportive of her um, publicly and privately. And just because she's not out there with that. Can you imagine? I wonder what would happen if they were out there posting the free Britney thing. Like, I don't know. I'm sure that that would cause even way more legal trouble for her. Right. And and that's the thing to understand here is that Lynn Spears and Jamie Lynn Spears are, are kind of as powerless as Britney is. So it seems in this situation, like this isn't just her father's being very controlling. This is a legal appointment of her father as her guardian over everything. So one of the things that these girls in the podcast explain is it's not it's not just, okay, Brittany can say, I want to be out of this and I feel okay. And a doctor can assess her and say, it's fine. It's, it's, there's so much control over her that she can't hire her own lawyer to be able to fight this because she doesn't have any access to her own finances. She's not allowed to do anything. She's not allowed to speak to a lawyer. She's not allowed to do anything without her father's permission. So she's kind of in this like catch 22 where she can't get out of it. And I've, 
I've personally been doing a lot of research on like conservatorships as a whole and the loopholes in them and how easy it is to get out. And and everyone kind of has differing opinions. Some people have posted and said, it should be very easy to get out of when you have a conservatorship, like especially in California, the normal um, procedure is it gets reviewed once a year and then a judge can determine if they're fit enough. And if they are, then the conservatorship ends. Other people have said it's it's not that easy. It's it's incredibly difficult to get out of conservatorship because you're now somebody's in charge of everything that you do. And it's not just that easy to say, OK, I'm fine now. Um, I, I think the whole thing is incredibly interesting and incredibly disturbing. I mean, at, at the very least, here is a girl that doesn't have control of her own life. She can't make any of her own decisions. And I have to assume one of the reasons that Brittany isn't fighting as hard as maybe she could is because she's so scared of losing custody of her kids. And maybe to her, it's like, I'll just suck it up and I'll just like figure out how to live my life this way so that I can have my kids in my life. And like, if we've seen anything of the way Brittany has kind of gotten herself together Mm. since 2008, it's been for the kids. Like truly, like that was one of the lowest points of her life. And, and she was able to turn around and the sole reason for that being her kids. So I think that if this situation is any similar in her, you know, wanting to keep that relationship and wanting to keep custody, then she's, she's doing the same thing I have to assume. Yeah. I don't know. It's not, it's not good. Whatever it is, it's just not good. And I can imagine, uh, you know, in her camp and her, in her team's camp that now that this like movement is really taking charge, I can imagine the panic that's going on there. Well, I think that's also one of the reasons that people are speculating that that's why she was seen. I mean, listen, it's, it's no coincidence in my mind that, this starts and all of a sudden she's being given a day pass and being seen out in public for the first time since January. It just, and especially leaving the front door of a hotel. How many celebrities do you know that just leave the front of a hotel? And second of all, paparazzi just happened to be there. No, come it's, on. It's, it's, it just, it doesn't, it just doesn't add up. I completely agree with you. I don't know. I think that it's, we're going to continue to see more. A lot of celebrities have shown their support. Last night we posted, um, so there was, there's a Paris Hilton fan account and they posted a picture of her and Britney from years ago with the caption, like, come on guys, we got to raise awareness for this free Britney movement. And Paris Hilton commented like hashtag free Britney and we posted it. And I didn't really read the comments on our post because I think it was getting like kind of crazy. I just, I don't know. But I think people were saying like, you know, there, there's, there's just a lot of controversy about it basically because some people really don't believe it and some people really do. But I think the bottom line that, that we, at least you and I feel is like whether or not you believe that she's being held against her will in a mental health facility, the free Britney hashtag or like idea can extend to the conservatorship, which we yes. do know for a fact that she's under. And again, none of us are mental, are, are you know, uh, well-informed enough to make the assessment as to whether or not she is mentally stable to be let go from this conservatorship as much as we want to say yes. Truth is, yeah, we don't know. Just like none of you know, like we really don't know. We're just dealing with the facts that we have. That being said, I, I do feel something is off. That's all. Yeah. And and I think that it's also to be understood that a conservatorship is not the norm. It's not like everybody who's struggling with mental health issues that, that are either, a, maybe a danger to themselves or were a danger to themselves or danger to other at one time are under a conservatorship. It's not like these these just get slapped on everybody and, and it's the norm. It's it's pretty unusual from what I understand. And it's it's usually like um like done for adults who are like incapacitated or can't make their own decisions or like re- from what we can see from Brittany, it, it to me it doesn't seem like that. And I think that a large portion of this is just the ability to make your own decisions. And, and you know, that's the thing, like, the, one of the 
the things that the voicemail said that the guy who was the paralegal said was that the reason that she was put in the mental health facility is because she wasn't taking her medication. And you can look at it one of two ways. Some people could say, okay, if she's not taking her medication, then, you know, she clearly needs help. She's clearly sick. Clearly they did the right thing. The other way you can look at it is this, is as an individual, you you reserve the right to put what you want in your body. So usually when you're on medication, no one's there telling you, you have to do this. Yeah, it may be in your best interest, but no one usually can force you to do that. Like Kanye. Right. Exactly. I'm just saying. No, Kanye no, you're exactly to- right. Like Kanye, say what you agree with him, don't agree with him, think he should be taking medication. Don't. It's his decision. Brittany is being effectively ripped of the decision to— to even decide what she, what medication she's on. Right. And so the entire, like these, these women that Brittany's gram, which by the way, their handles are at testify Barker and at Babs underscore gray. Um, the woman who hosts this, this Brittany's gram podcast, their whole goal is like, we just want to give Brittany her autonomy back. And that's kind of where this is framed around. So again, trust me, I can tell you this will continue to develop. And I think that as it gains steam and traction, we'll see. There's been a lot of protests on the streets of Hollywood. And and I don't know, I'm very curious. But for anybody that was just really confused, I hope we try, we kind of explained it for you and you understand it a little better because we, we really had no idea either until we started to do some more research. And if you have more interest in this, I would definitely listen to their whole podcast because while I think we explained a little bit, I think they really, really go into depth about what we're dealing with here. And I, I think that's a, a really good informational point to go off of. Yes. Just want to take one minute to tell you guys about Brewmate. So don't you just love warm alcohol? Well, neither do Dylan, who is the founder of Brewmate. And that's kind of why he created this company. So basically their mission is to shake up the beverage industry for the better. Their stylish insulated drinkware is designed to keep your favorite beverages ice cold all day long. So whatever your tastes in beer, wine, or spirits, Brewmate makes sure that every sip is a perfect temperature. Basically, this is like very cool insulated drinkware that is especially amazing for summertime because nobody wants warm alcohol, especially like when your drink gets warm before it's finished. It's just, it's such a buzzkill and it kind of ruins your day. Um, they have a lot of really cool products. So just a couple that I want to touch on. They have the Hopsolator Slim, which is the world's first and only stainless steel insulated can cooler for 12 ounce slim cans. It's perfect for like White Claw, Michelob Ultra, Red Bull, Truly, and other uh, spiked seltzers. So you can keep your favorite slim beverages at the perfect temperature, guaranteed, and it fits great and looks amazing. It's also a perfect gift for under $25. Um, they also have so many different designs and styles that Brewmate, you know, to choose from. And I think that's really great. We did an order and we got like the wine, the insulated wine bottles, which basically it literally looks like a regular wine bottle. Um, and you just pour your wine into there and you can, it stays cold for the whole day. Um, it's also really good for, if you're going to an area where there's no, a no glass zone, you can use that. Um, and it really just makes the summer a lot easier because you don't have to worry about your alcohol getting warm, which is really not, not ideal by any means. So again, don't settle for warm alcohol. Just chill out with your favorite drinks all day long with Brewmate. Visit brewmate.com, B-R-U-M-A-T-E.com and enter code CELEBS to get 15% off your first order. Again, uh, that's 15% off your first order when you go to brewmate, B-R-U-M-A-T-E.com and enter the code CELEBS. Okay, now back to the show. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which 
I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So moving on to Adele and her divorce. So on Friday, Adele released a statement um, from her rep that said that, you know, her and her husband, Simon Konecki, are divorcing. And the statement said, and I quote, Adele and her partner have separated. They are committed to raising their son together lovingly. As always, they ask for privacy. There will be no further comment. A little backstory. They got married in 2011. Um, They have one son together who is six. It's believed that they apparently don't have a prenup. um, So it's possible that he could be entitled to half of her estimated $182 million. Jesus. Um, A family lawyer apparently said that it's unlikely that she will have to give, she will have to give that to him. It says, quote, Adele may be able to claim that her talent is effectively genius, which means her husband would be entitled to significantly less, she told the outlet. I don't know. Is um, this the heaviest episode ever or what? It's the heaviest episode ever. I'm sorry. We can't control the news. No, I know. I know. I just like, I feel so dark. I know. <laughs> Listen, I love when we're talking about like, I don't know, some, what, what's like our favorite thing to talk about when it came out? Some like wild shit. I don't know. It'll yeah, come to me. Yeah, this is, the thing is like, this is all wild shit. It's just like, oh, Britney's being held in a mental institution. Oh, Adele's getting Adele's divorced. Getting divorced. Like, just just wait so till we get sad. to Amendola and Culpo. Let's. Oh my God. <laughs> I, can't, well, I can't wait to talk about Beyonce. I, I know say, it's maybe coming, we'll bring it, Maybe we'll bring it home with Homecoming to try to uh, lighten the mood. But anyway, so her husband, which I didn't know, he's the co-founder of LifeWater and the CEO of Drop for Drop. Um, it's an organization that provides clean drinking water to developing countries. Um, he obviously like uses part of the funds from LifeWater to be able to run that. So I don't know what the deal is. Apparently that there were a lot of signs kind of pointing to this. And as you know, we haven't seen them together in months. And that night, if you guys remember, she was at that gay bar with Jennifer Lawrence um, a couple months ago. She was seen without her wedding ring. So I don't know. The one thing is that, you know, people were... This is like such a fucked up phenomenon that we see happen all the time is that when a very talented artist who is known for making very emotionally driven music goes through some sort of hardship, a lot of the time, the public's first response is like, oh, well, at least we're going to get a killer album. And I've always taken real offense to that. Not offense, but like I really don't, I hate that belief system because it's like, yeah, we may get a killer album, but she also is going through like a very emotionally disturbing time in her life. Like what the fuck kind of thing is that there? People like totally forget that they're humans. No, people do. And I think that uh, the way it starts is that one person makes the joke and it's like, ah, oh, here's like an, uh, like a, a harmless joke. And then everyone's like, you're right, we're going to get an album. The album's going to be amazing. And it just takes off and it's like, slow down. Like you're literally dealing with someone's life here. Like, yeah. First of all, fuck you guys. No one says Adele has to write an album. Like, I know. Adele should punish everybody by not writing an album. So people were really criticized for that. Um, and it's just always interesting to see how that stuff kind of takes off. But I, I don't know. We'll keep you posted. Um, I think it, se- it sounds like it's for the better. It doesn't seem as dramatic as, as need be. I think no, people I were think just upset by it. I'd, I'd, I'd be very curious just to to see the uh, legality of the divorce and and the money split because I'm always just no, because we're that. fascinated. I decided I just made an executive decision in here. We're going to talk about homecoming as the last of our news stories before we go to the awards ceremony because I, be I want to like have full time to be able to do it and just like a- end on a really good note with that. So first, let's get through the rest. Um, so let's just do a little Coachella update to, to lighten things up. 
Let me tell you something. Mark this down. Weekend two is the new weekend one. Yeah, Julie turns to me yesterday. She's like, you know, I really think weekend two is the new weekend one. I was like, who do you want to tell? <laughs> I want to tell fucking everybody. Weekend two of Coachella was epic. It was literally epic. It was so epic. So a lot of things happened. Obviously, as you know, Ariana was headlining again and Bieber comes and surprises her on, or surprises us on stage. They do, they sing sorry together. I was losing my mind. I don't know there about you. No, yeah. Obviously, same. I was unwell. It was his first time on stage in two years. And when he like ended it, he was like, he was like, thank you, Ariana, for having me, blah, blah, blah. Like out, new album coming soon. Yeah. Beyond. Uh, Will Smith performed Icon with Jaden. Um, it, it was so good. Everything was just so good. Obviously, yes. Of course, Sunday service, we're going to do in depth in the Kardashian recap and it was insane and amazing and I cannot wait to get into it but just in terms of other non-Kanye Coachella things it was really good um, Khalid was also performing and John Mayer performed with him um, the, oh everything was just so good Kanye also performed with Cuddy aside from from Sunday service he performed Kid Sea Ghost with, on Cuddy's set personally though I don't know what it was uh, Bieber and Ariana just did it for me yeah There's fucking that, duh do you guys know I don't know when it was from there's this one performance of years ago when him and Ariana are on stage and they're like part of their choreography was just like very flirtatious you know exactly what I'm talking about yeah, right and he's like holding her hips and I'm, and oh my yeah, it was like the best moment of his life it was for like our lives too well done it just like brought me back to this not that their choreography was flirtatious in this one but they have a very good energy yeah they're like very good friends also I, I feel like they're like um well they're like the children of Scooter Braun that's what I was gonna say like I feel like they're like um stepkids that yeah. like were like put together and now they're like best, best friend, friend, sibling, but like kind of cute energy because they're not actually related. Absolutely. Do you want to quickly touch on the um, the debate over the Ariana versus Beyonce pay thing? Oh yeah, I'd love to. So this, this report came out that Ariana Grande supposedly had earned double what Beyonce made playing Coachella, headlining the same day. Um, and it, it, it's not true. The, like multiple reports came out and was like, this information's false. They were both paid from what I understand, $4 million per weekend. So they each earned about $8 million total for that performance. Right. So, like, Beyonce fans were, like, up in arms when they heard about this. And they were like, how dare, like, Beyonce put on that performance and, and earn half as much as Ariana Grande? It's it's not true. They earn the same amount. Yeah. <laughs> cool, $8 million. I mean, it's, it's a shitload of work. I'm not saying it, but that, that's a great— yeah, it's easy weekends. million. Yeah, amazing. Um, okay, moving on also. So Charlize Theron came out um, and about her child being transgender. So as you guys know, she adopted her seven-year-old um, Jackson back in 2012. And I guess there was like years of speculation, which I honestly was unaware of. Charlize confirmed in an interview that Jackson identifies as a girl. So I'm going to quote this. She says, yes, I thought she was a boy too until she looked at me when she was three years old and said, I'm not a boy. So there you go. I have two beautiful daughters, Jackson and August, who just like any parent, I want to protect and I want to say thrive. They were born who they are and exactly where in the world both of them... and exactly where in the world both of them get to find themselves as they grow up and who they want to be. It's not for me to decide. Fucking awesome. This is like a very, she took a page out of Angelina Jolie's playbook. Oh my God. This is like, I I love this story. She, it was so handled so well and so admirably and like, I, I can't. I can't say, like, enough good things about Charlize. Yeah, she went on to say that, you know, as as a parent, it's not her job to tell her kids how they should identify, but to, quote, celebrate them and to love them and to make sure that they have everything they need in order to be what they want to be. And if that is not the most perfect quote about parenting that I've ever heard, I don't know, because it's, it's completely true. It's just, like, I always say that, um, I mean, I think in my own life I feel this way, like, unconditional love 
is what really has driven me to be able to thrive. And I feel like you feel the same way. And just having that love and that celebration and you're allowed to be you, whatever you means. And having that support of your parents is kind of, you know, it's unparalleled. There's nothing like that. So it's, it's great. And, and good for her that she's so woke. (laughs) No, incredibly. And, and especially when you consider, um, that her daughter was adopted, um, it's kind of crazy. Like who who knows what family they could have en- she could have ended up in. I know. And to end up with Charlize, who's so supportive and so amazing and so accepting of who she is, is is incredible. And it's I, I agree. It's just it's it's unparalleled. It absolutely is. Um, okay, moving on to <laughs> Danny Amendola and Olivia Culpo. I need to just like update a little bit on this because this was fucking wild. So basically. Danny Amendola, who, as you know, is most famous for um, being on the Patriots. He's now no longer on the Patriots. He's on Detroit. But he was dating on and off Olivia Culpo, who is a model, influencer, um, kind of just like a fashion icon she's kind of become, I would say. Yeah. I don't know. Really, Yeah. And, and also a reality star. She had a show on E! So they always had a very kind of like tumultuous relationship. If you yeah. remember correctly, they were together, then they split up, then they were getting back together. And then like, as right when they had just gotten back together, there were pictures of him surfaced with the model. And that's when Olivia did the famous Instagram story where she was wearing on her wrist, his Rolex. And she was like, and the caption was something like, well, I guess, you know, when, like when you buy it for him, like, I guess I'll wear it myself, basically saying she had just bought him this Rolex. And then it came out that he basically cheated on her. So they've always had a very kind of crazy relationship. They were first linked back in 2016. Um, Apparently, Olivia was seen with Zed at Coachella, which is what prompted the rant that I'm about to read you. Okay. So (laughs) Danny Amadella posts to Instagram a video, which is now deleted, a video of Olivia. And this is the caption. I'm reading it word for word. So he writes, I believe there should be a boundary between private life and social media. Olivia believes in fishbowl lifestyle. This fundamental difference was huge in our relationship. If you're my real friend, you know I'm private. My mother, brother, father, and nephew are closest to me in this world, and you don't see one picture of them, and that's for their protection from those who criticize and judge. I believe in nailing picture frames on the inside of my house to remind the ones I love that I care. Olivia chooses and wants to be noticed on the internet in Hollywood to make money, which was hard for me to understand but quickly had to learn. Whereas the cost of fame in this world doesn't appeal to me. I play ball for one reason, and that's respect. The only reason I'm writing this post is because, whether I liked it or not, we lived in the public eye. Some of it is amazing. I've met some of the nicest people from all over the world, and Olivia and I had some amazing times together. Just like any other loving relationship, we fought. A lot of the time it was my fault, because let's be honest, I can be an idiot. But yep, she fucked up too. And if you cross me, I'm a hard motherfucker to deal with. The universe brought her and I together to enjoy life, love, and learn. We celebrated that as often as we could, and the sex was fucking crazy too. She gets so mad at me for not posting her on social media, but I think this shit is sometimes fake, sometimes toxic, but sometimes beautiful. And I felt like she had enough pictures online anyway. Truth is, I have a whole cell phone of funny, embarrassing, sexy Instagram, sexy pictures Instagram would love to have. However, living a public image isn't my choice. It's something I've learned to deal with. Reading all these wild stories about her and I and seeing Olivia with other men, aka Zed, I just wanted to personally clear the air out here. We've been on and off for a long time and not together as of late. Not sure what's in the future, but the only thing I care about is her happiness. And if that's dancing with scrawny little fucks, so be it. I'm happy too. With that said, Liv, my beautiful ex-girlfriend, Providence's finest and Baker's Bay can- pancakes, carry on Instagram. Whew. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to start with? Like, this guy is such an idiot. <laughs> like, he is, first of all, such an idiot. Like, first of all, like, the irony of ranting 
about like how much you care about your privacy and then like all of a sudden like bragging about your sex life is like ridiculous. It's like, yeah, sure. You can talk about whatever you want, but don't talk about it in a post about how much you care about your privacy and how it's the most important thing to you. Because clearly it's not. It's only like you only care about it when it benefits you. And the thing is about relationships like this, like Olivia Colbo and him could have had a very quiet relationship. Like just because you're famous doesn't mean your relationship is out in the public. The reason their relationship was out in the public is because he— a, cheated on her, and B, like, there was just so many issues there that, like, it became public and people took an interest because of it. Think about how many celebrity relationships you don't hear anything about. When was the last even, time even you heard Mendes about— Ryan got Yes, six, that what that's what I was going to say. Yeah, no, I know. It's like, it's—, it's I, I, Okay, yes, I will say, though, her—I can understand her career being literally an influencer, basically, as a huge— issue for someone who wants to maintain privacy. He is no saint. I'm like not a fan of his, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? No, I agree. But the other thing is like, A, you know what you're getting yourself into. It's not like they started dating and she was like, I'm going to become an influencer. And he was like, I don't. Like they were dating. She was an influencer. He knew how she like lived her life and the way she posted on Instagram. And if it was such a fundamental issue, I don't, I think he would have from the start been like, I don't think I can date somebody like that. It's just too much for me. I, I That's my feeling. I understand that it usually doesn't work in a perfect world like that. But if it's such an issue and that's like the biggest thing in your life is privacy, then you don't date somebody who puts their life out there like that. I agree with you. I think also though, what's interesting is that what sparked him to do this post allegedly, or like, so we can assume is the speculation of her with Zed. It's like, everything's fine until she speculated with another guy. And then, right, and then all of a sudden it's case. issue, but he's allowed to like, yeah, I mean, those pictures were the pictures that came out a while ago of like him and that girl. There was no, there was no, uh, nothing left to the imagination. They were clearly engaging it. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. This is the type of thing where it just makes me sad. It's like, did it come to this? And it, not that it was this, he was not going off and bashing her in this post by any means. It was kind of like a guy that was fed up with the fact that everybody's talking about his relationship. And he's like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just break privacy for a minute and, and explain to you what's really going on here. But, it could clearly, have been handled clearly, much better. Clearly, as we say with Justin Bieber a lot of times, this didn't go from a, through a publicist first, which is fine. It doesn't have to. It's candid and it's great and that's his his MO. But to not expect that he's going to get backlash for that, I don't know. It's just a little. <laughs> he, yeah, there's something off about him. There's something very off about this guy. I don't know. Um, okay, moving on. Also, speaking of Bieber, just there's not really a story here, but just kind of to his recent Instagram antics, I just want to, cont- I feel like we've also been doing continuing coverage of Justin and Haley. Do you yeah, feel no, we that have way? To. We have been. Um, we have to for my sanity because <laughs> all I want to do is talk about it. Kendall posted a picture of her and Haley at Coachella and Haley was wearing like a push-up bra. Her boobs looked amazing. And and Bieber comments Bay's boobs with like a fire emoji, which will be then posted because... Because obviously, I love when people are like, yeah, like, why'd you post that? It's like, because when Justin Bieber is publicly talking about Haley's boobs on Instagram, that is pop culture gold. Like, we're, we're just going to post it. I don't know what you want from us. Like, how do you not want to see that? How do you that? not want us to post that? It's like, the what? Um, anyway, so he's just been a lot more active. He's been posting a lot of content and uh, showing his house. And like we said last time, a lot of m- money things, like, basically talking about how wealthy he is, but for some reason it doesn't strike me as, like, obnoxious. I love it. I don't, yeah, I don't know why I don't he know. does it. He can literally do it all wrong in my mind. It's such an issue. No, it's true. So he, so Haley posted this whole Instagram story talking about just, like, being grateful and the view, and, and she was saying, like, I'm grateful for the sun, this. So an account posted that, and someone commented and said, 
My husband is worth $265 million, but it's the little things that make me happy. Ha ha ha. And she responds, money doesn't equal happiness at all. You can be the wealthiest person on the planet and be miserable. Not fair to judge people's circumstances from the outside. Am I not allowed to be grateful for to sit in the, to sit in the sunshine and enjoy my day like a regular person? It's like... First of all, you're, you can do whatever you want, but the 265 million doesn't hurt the Yeah, cause. it's like a nice little cushion. <laughs> no, but I agree with her. It's like, just, that's so true. There's This is a lot. This this was a lot. Very controversial. In any event, take whatever side of this you want. I just think that personally, I live for them showing each other on social media, which they've did, definitely been a lot more publicly affectionate and taking a page not out of Danny Amendola's playbook. And I don't know. I'm just interested in it. I mean, I love it. Be- I mean, Bieber stepped up his comic game so much too. It's un. It's it's a. You know what? It's fucking amazing. You should see the amount that we don't post of him. There was one like a couple weeks ago where he commented. I don't even know who the guy was, but this guy uploaded a video of his son like on a on a bike. His like toddler son, and Bieber literally left this whole comment being like, "Dude, like you, it's his little head needs protection. Like he needs to wear a helmet. Like it was so cute, but we purposely didn't post it because you know who honestly, the guy was who." He was one of the pastors at, at Beaver's Church. Oh. Because we're good people and because we knew that if we posted it, that, that guy's page would get, like, inundated with people being, like, you know, the like the mob police. Yeah. It, like, it, it was unnecessary, but— It was unnecessary, it was, but it was— It really, was, like, if, if you were able to see it and take it just as Beaver commenting in concern about this little kid's head and think about him one day becoming a father, then you deserve to see it. If you're going to take it as being mean to somebody else, then, like, don't Exactly. Bother. We just, like, didn't want it. We're like, oh, we don't want to feed this controversy that's about to happen. Um, okay, before last thing before homecoming, which I cannot wait to talk about, is another, if you've been listening for a long time, you know that I randomly get these bursts of very random stories that I get fascinated by. For example, the little Zan thing. When he, when him and Noah Cyrus, that was my Super Bowl. I could not get enough of it. I feel similarly to Bella Thorne. So Bella Thorne is 21 years old and she was dating um, 32-year-old Maud's son. And they had this very unconventional, eccentric relationship. They were like, she was also dating Tana Mojo, the YouTube star, and uh, they were kind of had like this open relationship. So a couple of days ago, Bella posts a mirror selfie on Instagram that had him in the background and the caption was just all good things must come to an end. I will always love you. So they broke up. According to TMZ, um, things got a little ugly because she showed up at his house unannounced to try to get her stuff and his team was there, wasn't having it. And apparently the police were called. I don't know the legitimacy of this, but they are no longer together. And she was then spotted um, with 25-year-old Italian singer Benjamin Mascolo. Again, I know nothing about him, but Bella and Maude are broken up. I wish I could fade interest in this story. I wish I could humor you and be like, how interesting I am. Tell me more. I can't. I'm sorry. I want to because I care about you and I care about the things that you care about. But holy fuck, I cannot force myself to care about I, this. I was literally about to say like, so for all six of you that are also interested. Did like, you see my face? So I, I like zoned that whole thing out, I think. I know. It's fine. I just want to, I care. So like if there's anybody out there that also is a little bit interested, I just wanted to give that to you. So I'm sorry. I, I know. No, don't apologize. I, I want no, you to be, I, I want you to. I recognize that like we're about to, we're going from this to about to talk about Beyonce and like the two are not even comparable. I totally get it. I just can't help my fascination. No, you're allowed to. Thank you're, you. It's, it's fine. It's, it's. <laughs> It's weird, but it's fine. Okay. The moment we've all been waiting for it. Let's fucking do it. You want to start the reins yeah, on, on Homecoming? Yeah, of course I want to start the reins. Okay, we're about to talk about Homecoming. So Netflix drops the Homecoming documentary, which is the documentary about the uh, the making and the performance of Beyonce's historic Coachella last year. So the the if you haven't seen it yet, literally 
either as soon as this podcast is over or like the second this sentence ends, pause this and go watch it because it's literally a must see. I do not watch any TV, anything. And I can, I can, uh, you can attest. I can attest to that. So, um, the, the documentary is shot between her weekend one and weekend two performances and included shows behind the scenes of them practicing the rehearsals, the way she planned it, her own testimony about, you know, her vision and her thought and what went into this. And also images of, and videos of Jay-Z and the, and the babies and blue and, and all of this stuff. So, First of all, it's important, like, to know what Beyonce's vision for this was. And Beyonce was the first black woman who has ever headlined Coachella, which is, like, it's a huge deal. And, it, and it's kind of crazy that that's a fact, you know? Um, and it was really, really important for her, as the first black woman who's ever done this, to put her own culture into this. So the theme of her performance was HBCUs, which were our historically black colleges and universities. And for— for these schools, one of the huge, huge things is their homecoming. So they have drum lines and step and all of these things that Beyonce incorporated into her performance. And one of the things that she spoke about so much was she felt like for every person who's felt like they haven't seen themselves on stage or been represented or been marginalized, they get to see themselves on stage. She wanted each individual person who has ever been marginalized or ever felt underrepresented to be able to look at that stage and see themselves, which is, I mean, it's incredible and it's so historic and it's so iconic. And and I think that even for us, we recognize how big of a deal it is that she was able to incorporate her own culture into the biggest musical festival in America. And like, I, I don't think that was lost on anybody, in my opinion. Um, so one of the things she said in the documentary was, as a black woman, I used to feel like the world wanted me to stay in my little box, and black women often feel underestimated. I wanted to be proud of not only the show, but the process and proud of the struggle. Thankful for the beauty that comes with a painful history and rejoice in the pain. Rejoice in the imperfections and the wrongs that are so damn right. And I wanted everyone to feel grateful for their curves, their sass, their honesty. Thankful for their freedom. It was no rules, and we were able to create a free, safe space where none of us were marginalized. Um, First of all. That's the I first read. time Julie has ever read. And did, you did I do so, a good Yeah, job? you did so good. Well, when, it's, when it's Beyonce, my like, superpowers kick in. Oh, so you can do things now. You well, can read things. Fuck. <laughs> this is Julie's motto, like her life motto. It's like, do it wrong the first time. They'll never ask you to do it again. Paris, someone taught me that. And it's the, I've taken it with me every step of the way. Yeah, but you just fucked it up there because now I see that you're capable. Okay, so I'll throw so a little dyslexia Next in time there, Julie's but... doing the ads. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, keep going. Um, hold on. I want to pause for a second and just say, you know, a lot of times with different stories that we talk about, it's very easy to sense our, a lot of times we're equally as passionate, but a lot of the times that's not the case. And we have different, um, passions that kind of come out. So typically Beyonce has been yours. Like you, I appreciate her for the goddess that she is, but I definitely didn't like, didn't have the same obsession with her that you did. This documentary, you said to me, you're like, you're going to watch this and you're going to get it. And I just want to say, I got it. Not that I didn't get it before, but I really got it. She is, the, like the line with great power becomes great responsibility. She could have done that show and it could have been amazing, but it, there could have been no cultural significance. She didn't need to. Nobody said to her, you know, as the first black woman headlining Coachella, you need to infuse all of these elements. That was 100% her. Yes. And you want to know something? If she did it without any of that, it still would have been an incredible performance. But being able to have the level of perform performance she did while also recognizing the identities of so many people that have felt this way is like to, co to collaborate those two things is unbelievable unfucking believable she is and to do so looking so graceful and elegant and classy like what no she's it's unbelievable this is what i've been trying to tell you this is it like first of all we watched it last night obviously this was like my fourth time watching it 
and it was Emma's first time. And I'm not kidding. I could have watched you watch it for hours. Like, I, I don't even know if you noticed. I was literally staring you at you, were. smiling, watching you watch it. I felt like LeBron the first time his kid picked up a basketball. Yeah. That's how I felt. Like, it was just like, I, I could see, like, you, like, understanding. And, like, I, I could understand why. I think there's two types of people. Like, I'm not going to entertain the third that's like, I think Beyonce's overrated. It's like, you don't matter and your opinions are stupid. <laughs> so there are two types of people. Like, people who love Beyonce and just get it and 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 are full out, like, beehive, everything, whatever. And then there are people who like, who like Beyonce, who love Beyonce, but don't have that portion of them that clicked. And I think what this documentary did was it clicked for those people. And, and they're able to see not only, okay, she's so talented and so beautiful and so amazing, but she's also so aware and so powerful and so, like, knows that she has this immense following and this immense responsibility and knows exactly what to do with it. And I think it's, I think it just clicked for everybody. And also to show how calculated she's, and I mean that in a positive way, like the attention to detail in every single step was, was monumental. It was, it, it was, I couldn't believe it. I, when Destiny's Child came out at the end, I literally almost started crying. I, yeah. I'm not kidding. That's never happened. I'm not one of those people that cries at that kind of stuff. Like, I know. I just felt it. It was, you could feel it through the screen. So I can't even imagine what it was like being there physically. I remember I told you that Chance posted, I always bring this tweet up, that somebody tweeted a picture of Chance picking up the confetti off the ground from Beyonce's Coachella set. And they were like, look how cute um, Chance is like picking up the confetti. And he retweeted it and was like, I was picking it up so I could bring it home for my daughter so she could always have the confetti. Like, do you get that now? I get why the confetti was so like, fuck, why it's such a big deal. Yes, I totally do. There's so many little details. And like, I, I genuinely want to touch on all of them um, because I, I think it was such a big deal. Like she said in the documentary, she speaks about it. She's like, every single decision that was made was A, made by her and B, made with purpose. So every dancer was picked out by her, every performer, every like the 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 design of the stage, the design of the of the risers and the shape of it, every single detail, every hand sewn patch was picked out by her. Like there's no one else with that level of attention to detail. I really believe that. No, it was it was. I can't. I can't. So also, her the outfits. So Bauman custom made every single thing. Yeah, that was worn, which was crazy. And the and the the funniest part is. The the weekend one outfits and the weekend two outfits were like slight, sometimes were slightly different. For example, the first sweatshirts were one was just yellow, one was pink. But then some of the outfits were a little bit different. She did um, like an army outfit sequence and the weekend two she did silver sequence. It was just those little things. But in the beginning of the documentary, it 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 flashed the whole time it flashes back. But the beginning of the documentary, it's like yellow and then pink and then yellow and then pink. And as somebody who knew what she wore for weekend two and weekend one, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I guess if you don't know that, you could be a little confused. So one of my friends texted me and was like, um, how are they doing that with the sweatshirts? Is it the lights? And I'm like, it's not the f-. I was like, T- tell me you're high at least because there's, it can't be the lights. It's obviously weekend one versus weekend two. And I thought it was so ridiculous that she had said that. So I like posted my Instagram story like that text and so many people responded and was like, I thought this too. I could not understand what it was. Okay. So did you. You were full, like— I was going to say full disclosure. I was watching it. I was like, wow, that's amazing that they did it with the lights, Julie. But I had no idea. Right. I, I didn't realize that. Like, I didn't realize that people didn't know. But it—I mean, even that attention to detail, if you look at it, just the way it goes back and forth, like, I, I would not be surprised if, if 
Beyonce stood there and was like, okay, I hit it better there. I want that one in. I hit that one better. I look better there. My dancers are better there. Like, I want that. Oh, the whole thing. One of the also interesting notes is that the first weekend she had her hair completely down and the second weekend she had it half up, which I'm sure was like the first weekend she realized I can't deal with that shit in my face. But can I tell you what I noticed? That And you made this point and I waited to say this to you until on the podcast <laughs> because I wanted to say it to you. If you notice, there's a scene where she's in the pink outfit during rehearsal and her hair is up. Oh, Maybe. So it could have just been purposeful to make the look different. It totally could have been purposeful, I, I guess. To me, I was like, I had no idea how she was doing that with her hair down, but yes. I don't I don't know either. And it, it totally could have been, but I, I thought it was interesting that during rehearsal in the pink outfit, she had her hair up the same way. Yeah. We are literally, I ho- please God, tell me, I'm, I'm begging you. If you're listening to this and you care about these micro details about all this shit that we do, please just tell me so we feel a little more sane. I feel like especially with Beyonce though, everyone. I, I know, but it's just, Julie, you and I could literally sit here and like, I would be, if you said to me, like, I just want to have a 30 minute conversation about exactly how the decision that went into her making her hair up, I'd be like, let's do it. Like, let's get our hairstyles on the phone right now. Like, do people care about this stuff as much as we do? I I don't know, but I I have to assume there's someone else out there. Well, clearly there are. We have a podcast. (laughs) I have to assume there's, there's other people there who also know. I mean, literally fucking everything else aside, she looked so so beautiful. And she worked Everything. so hard. No carbs, no sugar, no meat, no fish. I mean, she literally was had like air and a couple of zucchini, I think. It yeah, was she was like, I'm starving. Like, yeah, of course you're starving. That was motivation. So she had she talked about how like after she gave birth, she was 218 pounds and she had, you know, had to a lot of weight to lose and she had a lot of a lot to be able to just to be able to get her body back to where she could be doing the dancing and, and keeping up with that stamina. And it was intense. I mean, these people work so hard. I, she did this for eight months. Eight months of prep for this one performance. And can I just break this down for you also, yes, just so we can all do. put this into perspective, is she gave birth to the twins. She was still recovering from the C-section when she was performing. So she talks about how, you know, her, her the muscle spasms were out of control. And you can see that one video of Jay-Z, like, rubbing her stomach and, like, massaging out the muscle spasm, which is, like, fucking amazing. Um <laughs> And she talks about how, like, her mind and her body just weren't connected. Like, her mind just so badly wanted to do with her kids and and her children. And and she, like, had such a hard time getting into the right headspace to be able to do this. And she said, she was like, I pushed my body harder than I I knew it was possible to, and I'll never push my body that hard again. What this documentary also fails to talk about is that after this, which was April of 2018, she went on tour with Jay-Z starting in June of 2018 and released an album in June of 2018. Like— what? Who can do that? I'm, I'm literally sitting here. I wish, I wish there was a picture of me right now. My, my jaw's just on the floor the whole time. I love this. She is an icon. She is. She is the most. She is the most prolific, iconic performer. I, I think, got in it history. though. I got it. Right. It's not like Julie talking about this and she had gotten it for so long. It, I got it. I, it clicked for me. So good. Fucking, this was incredible. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure most of you have. I really highly recommend it. It was as good as we're we're not exaggerating in the slightest. I just want to take one minute to tell you guys about ModCloth. So at ModCloth, there's no such thing as an ordinary outfit. Crafted by a team of in-house designers, their signature styles include hand-drawn prints, standout silhouettes, and an inclusive size range that celebrates all women. So as we know, spring has officially sprung and ModCloth knows that also. So you can discover everything from fun florals and stripes to easy one and done looks like rompers and jumpsuits. Personally, I'm a huge jumpsuit advocate. They have a collection of fresh, feminine and wearable styles that makes getting ready a breeze. No muss, no fuss. If you have like a beach day or vacation, they have a lot of really cool like florally summery vibe stuff. Um, And you can... 
if you have a beach vacation coming up, you can nab your perfect swimsuit in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. For wedding bells, they have uh, their bridal boutique will have you falling in love with the assortment of wedding gowns, guest of looks, and bridesmaid-approved dresses. Montclos, their belief is basically that fashion should celebrate all women, and that's why they expanded their size range from double zero to 28. So if you have a question about a fit, you can have a team of mod stylists that can hook you up with complimentary sizing and styling tips. It's really like... Like I said before, they have a lot of very cool like patterned floral stuff. So for example, I have a wedding in um, New Orleans in May. And like, that's definitely a place that I would look because I want something fun, easy breezy that I can wear and it can take me kind of through the whole summer. Again, so if you are interested, you can get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more by going to modcloth, M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H.com and enter code celebs at checkout. Um, again, it's to get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more, go to modcloth, M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H.com and enter code celebs at checkout. This offer is valid for one-time use only and expires on July 6, 2019. Again, the offer is valid for one-time only and it expires on July 6, 2019. Okay, now back to the show. Okay, transitioning now to our award ceremony. So, Let's start with funniest. What do you think? I would love to. <laughs> there were a lot of good comments this week. Um, our runner-up was Gwyneth Paltrow. So there was a meme that was posted that said, someone just asked me if my boobs have, always, have, have to always be out, LMAO. Yes, bitch, they do. I'm 21 years old. This is prime titty time. When I'm 40 and they're saggy, I'll put them away. But until then, you can shut your mother Teresa turtleneck wearing ass up and mind your damn business. And Gwyneth comments, hey, now 40 titties can still be all that in a bag of chips. Don't you forget. Really funny. So funny. And also something that was really funny that I don't even think you and I spoke about the is that Whitney— chips? No, I was going to say Whitney Cummings commented on our post when we posted it. was like, hey, sometimes 40-year-old titties are only three years old. <laughs> so funny. We should have posted that as a comment. I don't, I don't know why we didn't. We didn't even talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we, we should add that to the roundup. Uh, yeah, that was funny. I also just like—I know it's been happening for a while now, but I still can't get over the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow is on Instagram commenting on memes about boobs. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. My, like— 2012 self would have never thought that would be possible. Oh my God, I know. Right? You're so right. <laughs> Second was Will Smith. Uh, he posted a throwback of of Easter and he's in this bunny costume and Halle Berry comments and it was like, Lord, tell me you don't still have that suit, Will. And he responds, hell yeah, I do. Just say the word and hood bunny is available for parties. I don't know. <laughs> I love I this. We loved this one. <laughs> we love Will Smith. It's like, you guys don't get it. Like a mediocre Will Smith comment is probably going to perform better in our minds than like a very good someone else comment. I so agree. And I don't even think this was mediocre. I think this was amazing. No, it was. It was. I'm just saying like we really have a thing for him. So congratulations, Will Smith. You are the recipient for this week's funniest comment. And if you've been an OG podcast listener, you know that we joke all the time about how like we feel like we're, we take credit for his career because of how much we plug his Instagram. It's like, Which is obviously a joke. Obviously like, a joke. The biggest joke ever. But um, this will help him, I think. <laughs> I think he's really going to crack his way to show business with this one. Congratulations, Will. <laughs> Move over, Oscar. <laughs> okay. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air who? <laughs> okay, best clapback. Um, there were two. So Chelsea Handler, who we just love. She's she's become our number one, like, what celebrity do you want to follow you when we get asked that in interviews? Chelsea Handler is the answer. I don't know why. Just like, I can't believe she's not on board yet. I know. So she posted a video and someone comments, you're funny. Yeah, you're funny again. More comedy, less politics, pretty please. And she responds, too bad I'm not a waitress and you're not at a restaurant. 
good answer. I've never heard that one before, actually. Have you? I'm going to start using it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a good one. The second was Chris Noth, Mr. Big. So he posted a picture of him holding a shitload of marijuana, which just got me good. It's like literally us in a picture, like older guy, weed. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And oh, yeah. You're he, so right. He writes, someone comments, well, that's disappointing. Do some research on what it does to your brain. And he responds, so far, so good. <laughs> And with that, anytime you're like an older hot guy and you are defending the use of weed, like you're probably going to win best class back. Yeah, but probably may take you home to meet my parents. I don't know. <laughs> so congratulations, Chris Noth. You are the recipient for this week's best class back. Anyway, let us now transition to our Kardashian recap. This is the part of the episode where we talk all things Kardashian so that those of you that can't stand them can fast forward. And those of you that say you can't stand them but actually listen anyway <laughs> can listen in silence and you can still tell people you don't, but you do. Let's start with the obvious. Let's fucking go. Sunday service. Take us home. Oh my God. Emma, it was epic. It was epic. It was everything we wanted. First of all, I want to talk about the logistics of this. I want, before we even start about logistics, let me just say, Julie, I know we say this a lot. Julie actually has waited her entire life for this. So this was a really big moment. And I want to just give you the thank moment you. that you deserve. So and you. I appreciate so much every single person that inboxed us. and was like, Julie, Julie, Julie. Like, I, I saw them. I appreciate it more than you could ever understand. Because anybody who, like, understands enough about me to know that, it is good in my book. <laughs> um, so... Starting with the logistics, as we know, Kanye was originally supposed to headline Coachella. It was it was a thing that I believe believe instead of Childish Gambino, it would have been him. But don't put me on record saying that. Just that was just like the rumor that I heard. He pulled out in January over set disputes because he basically wanted to do it one way. They they were like, this is impossible, and he was like, well, I'm not going to perform unless I can perform the way I want to, which is as Kanye as a sentence can get. So he pulled out and. Um, he starts the Sunday service that we've seen every Sunday. And um, Coachella asks him if he wants to do Sunday service at Coachella. And, like, he's ecstatic. Like, he's finally going to get to do it the way that he wanted to do from the beginning. Like, and the thing is, when he pulled out in the first place, this wasn't even a vision yet. Like, he had no idea that this is how he wanted to do it. So, it's just, like, I think it was really amazing that, A, he was able to do this, and, B, he was able to do it the way that he wanted. So... One of the things that happened was he wanted to perform this on a hill, like on a mountain, basically. And that didn't exist in where Coachella is. So what they did was they put speakers in sand into the and like put grass over it and created a literal hill for him. Like that hill that he's standing on at Sunday service was constructed for him, which is just it would it, that's just crazy. Um so it, it first of all, it was Everyone was there. Like, they they posted videos of Kylie there, Travis there, North, Penelope, like, all of them. Um, most interesting person there, easily their photographer, Marcus Hyde, who was in a horrific car accident. We really hadn't heard much information since. And he, he's, he's in a wheelchair, um, but he appears to be, you know, doing okay. He's out. I think this was the first time we've seen him. So this was definitely the first time we've seen him. Yeah. So praying for him because, Jesus, that's scary. And, and I had no, no idea that he was he was doing okay. So it was pretty great to see. Also, so of course it was live streamed and it was 9 a.m. Pacific time and 12 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. And <laughs> Julie like, literally- I had was, a countdown. Yeah, she had a countdown. It was, it was, you don't know. I sent it to you guys. I sent the link of the live stream and I sent it to Emma and Isabel and I was like, Here's the link. I don't want any last minute scrambling around. Yeah. Meanwhile, it started an hour late. <laughs> like, 
so wait, wait, wait. So we, so we go, we like click on YouTube and we're like so hype. And it's like fisheye lens. And we're like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's just going to open up. Maybe this is the beginning. And then it starts and, and it's still fisheye. And Julie's in this really interesting place of like, on one hand, she is literally peaking. She's having the time of her life and wants to respect Kanye and his artistic vision. And at the same time, she's so upset that it's not full screen. And her texts literally, like they were only going to meet Isabel. It wasn't like she had to like make sure that she was diplomatic because it was going anywhere. It's literally going to meet Isabel. And she's like, yeah, he's, he's so incredible. I just, I kind of just wish like she was, she couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. It was so funny. We were literally watching Sunday service through a door people. And I, I'm not kidding. I had such a migraine after I had to take like six Advil. As it's, we got so many people being like, I have a migraine, but I'm pushing through. <laughs> like, I, I, like fucking Excedrin should have sponsored that performance. Yeah, you're so <laughs> right. You're so right. That's fucking funny. Em. It should have. It was, it was like, uh, it was a headache to watch, but you know what? It was worth it. And so a lot of people inboxed us because we posted the, you posted the text that I sent you. And, um, a lot of people responded was like, yes, it's annoying, but how lucky are we? And I was like, you're right. You put me back <laughs> into perspective. You are right. Thank you for this. I was like, you're right. We, he easily could have not live streamed it and let it be a special experience for everyone who was there. But you know what? He did it. He let us see it. And that's all that matters. Oh my God. It was so good. It was so good. First of all, okay, wait, we're, let's, should we finish talking about it from like a Kanye lens? Cause there's so much Kardashian like part of it. Like I want to talk about their outfits and. Okay. So let me say a couple more things about Kanye yeah. and then we can switch, we can switch gears. So and the things to, to to note about Kanye that were really important is the people that he had on stage with him. So he had DMX on stage, he had um, Chance, and he had Kid Cudi. And that's that's his crew. Like, if you notice, DMX has been at a ton of um, of Sunday services aside from Coachella. And I think this was Chance's first. Um, Cudi's been at them before, Chance's too. Chance's first Sunday service. <laughs> Chance's first Sunday service. I love him so much. Oh, that's much. a whole other thing. We'll get into I that in a second. Him. We'll get into that in a so second. He, so Chance performed Sunday Candy, and there's a line in— Not Sunday Candy. He performed um, uh, Ultralight Beam, which is he does with Kanye, which is on Pablo. And there's a line in it where he says, I, I made Sunday Candy. I'm never going to hell. I met Kanye West. I'm never going to fail. And he, like, emphasized it, and everyone screams, like, I met Kanye West. It was unbelievable. And then after— the ultralight beam performance, DMX gives a whole speech. And that's after that is when there were the pictures of Kanye crying and, and Cuddy, DMX and Chance all having like their arms around him, like comforting him. And it was like, I, I feel like it was just such a moment of like Kanye redemption. Like I felt like that was the whole theme of the whole thing. And a lot of people are going to disagree and be like, he said so much stuff. How can you, he just put on one performance and then all of a sudden it's okay. Yeah. You're entitled to feel that way. The way I felt, and I think the the emotion that hit Kanye was like, this is my chance at redemption. And this is something that I did that I'm really a proud of and B have so much support around me. Um, and it was an incredibly, incredibly emotional experience. And I think that something really important to point out is that it shouldn't be lost that, you know, last year we had Beyonce doing like this ode to HBCUs and, and bringing all of this culture. And then this year we have Kanye doing a, like, black church and celebrating the the black church experience for everybody. And, and I think those two things are so important because for us watching as, you know, two white girls watching, it's like, yeah, we don't, we can love those things and we can understand how culturally important they are, but like, we can never understand how amazing it is for, to be like represented on stage like that. And I think that it's for both of those two people to do that. I think that it's just so huge. No, it, I, I, so well said. Thank you. I agree entirely. And um, it was a, it was an 
it was fucking unreal. I mean, when the camera pans to Chance, first of all, like— I was just glad I was watching it alone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. First of all, he's so swaggy. Like, he's so cute. Like, he has this perfect vibe of being, like, so cute but also so sexy. Yeah. You know? You're, you listen. And, you're preaching to the, the choir The camera here. points to him and, he, and he's, he points to his wedding ring. Julie couldn't handle it. She could not handle it. Who does that? Tell me. Who does that? Who literally unprompted a camera pants to them? It's not even his show. Like, he just literally would take off. He takes any opportunity he can to show off his wedding ring. He is so happy. And it's like, he'll post Instagram stories sometimes of just the ring. Like, just him showing his wedding ring and that's it. Who does that? No, no. I mean, I'm sure you've also all seen, like, the videos of him with his daughter. Oh, my God. it's just it a melts lot. my heart. This week, this week in terms of chance and, and coach, it was just a lot it's happening. It's always just so much for me. <laughs> it's like, it's so hard to be me. Um, <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> I, do, I do. I also think that, um, like, the, the obviously they built this whole mound for him, of course. But when you saw the aerial view, it really hit how kind of grand this was, like how massive this was. This was a huge deal. There were 50,000 people at that performance. Like Coachella total gets about 100,000 people. And it's like people usually spread out throughout the performances. Obviously, there weren't any others at this time. But like to wake up at 6 a.m. to to go to be there for 9 a.m. and st- still wait an extra hour for a performance, like it just shows like the, the impact that he has that so many people not only were willing to do this, but like it, it was the best moment of their lives. We spoke to a lot of people who were there that said like, it was exactly as hyped as you would imagine, and it was even more incredible in person. Yeah, my Yeezy dealer was there, and I was like, I pay you too much money. He was like, <laughs> you bought one pair of sneakers for me, and I gave them to you at cost. And I was like, well, <laughs> we're getting technical. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously the family is, like, storing the shit out of this day, and we were living for every second of it. So Kim and North were matching, and these adorable—I mean, they were all matching. The whole the whole family was matching. These, like, adorable just color—the whole color scheme, the whole neutral— it was almost like when they posted that video, Kim posted the first story when they got out of the car and they're, you know, in, in on Coachella grounds. I felt like I could just hear the wind in the background of like magic. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, I mean, was, I know what you so mean. So Lala was there. Her son was there. Um, all of them were there, obviously, and all of their kids. Travis and Kylie. Travis had the crosses in her hair. She looked so fucking good. And they were so touchy, Kylie and So Jeff. touchy. Uh, you know, Chloe was there. They had... Kim's childhood friend Allison there was a video so many people asked us this for some reason Kim was talking about this guy Schmurf I have no idea they're like who is it I have literally no idea he was like an older white guy like my guess somebody from the label or Allison I was like maybe it's Allison's dad like I had no idea that was yeah, my guess. I, I have no idea. We'll do some, we should, we'll we do should some, do some I, research. I tried. Like, it's, I Googled who is Schmurf and, and nothing came up. So it's like. Because <laughs> most people don't give a shit. <laughs> I guess I'll have to like re-read like to find my search or something. Um, also, so the, like, yeah, that whole thing. And then when North and Tracy's daughter were on stage. Yes. And then, first of all, they were up. And then they kind of, that was in the beginning. Like, they were dancing together. They're so, Tracy's kids are cute. Tracy Romulus, who's, I think, the COO of Kim's company or, or Yeah, she's CCO. like, she was their, she's like their publicist, but also. Yeah, but like, has, has like now stepped into like an, an even higher position. Either way, she has these three, the mushiest, most adorable kids. Look them up. The little boy is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Ever. Anyways, I digress. Um, 
so they were dancing in the beginning because this is like, like it's Kanye's thing, but it's really become North's thing too. And I think Kanye loves that so much and like wanted to celebrate that. So he had her up there, obviously. And then, you know, they weren't, once the actual show started, they sat down. And then for Lift Yourself, which is always the song that's like, whoop de dee scoop, scoop de doo So they, they show them running up. So Kim takes up Penelope, North, Mason and Lala's son and they all run up and like they he, Kanye gives like North and Mason the chance to like speak into the microphone I think she gives all the time you hear those voices and like <laughs> there's this one scene of them them running up and the camera like shows them coming forward and then switches to behind the scene and it's like the entire just circle of the fisheye lens was Kim's whole ass <laughs> and it was like somebody tweeted it was like this is the best day of that that cameraman has been waited all day for this one shot like in the sun slowly literally for that one shot I literally, like, it, it took up the entire—and and yes, the fisheye lens was relatively <laughs> small, but it showed, a, it showed a line. It was literally just, like, a little bit of space in Kim's whole ass. It was <laughs> so funny. It was so, so, like, so iconically Kim. And I know she doesn't want people, like—she's like, oh, I wish people would talk about my ass, like, less. It's like, when you see Kim's ass in a fisheye lens, that's why people haven't stopped talking about your ass. <laughs> exactly. It was so good, you guys. It was so good. Every single aspect about it was just so good. I have no critique. Like, I have not even an ounce of critique. Kanye's emotion, what you were saying about the redemption thing, I echo you a thousand percent. But I also think part of it was like, you know, when you're that famous and you've had that many experiences, I think sometimes people think that you just become totally jaded, which I think in a lot of cases you can. But even to him, this was so monumental. Like, I think the sheer emotion of just like it hitting, it really got to him in that moment. And that was such a, that was such raw like footage. It, yeah. You, and like, you know me, like, first of all, like, by the way, if, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you're like, oh, all of a sudden Julie's chill with people crying. Yeah. Kanye literally crying will, will melt my heart. I, I can't. I have never experienced emotion like seeing Kanye crying. It's beyond. It, it's beyond. And it's like, it was so beautiful. And also I think like a really huge part of that was having Cuddy up there with him and him and Cuddy are really good friends and, and. I think just first of all, having friends that were willing to stick by him through everything is is really important to Kanye. Like Chance has Chance has been Kanye's champion this whole time, and Cudi as well. And, and Cudi is really really open about his struggles with mental health and and taking like a huge hiatus from music be, to help like heal and deal with his depression and all of, and his anxiety and all these things. And I think that having somebody like Cudi that Kanye can look to and be like you deal with your stuff and I'm dealing with my stuff and, and like we're kind of in this together I think was a huge moment for Kanye. Completely. Um, any other final touches on that or do you feel? I feel good. I just, I was, I was so, so happy you just couldn't even understand. I know. I, I did and I'm, I'm so happy that you were so happy because I was happy but nowhere. Like it doesn't even Yeah, compare. that's how I feel with you and Bella Thorne. <laughs> No, I will not let that be my claim that my legacy. <laughs> you better pick a better person because my legacy is Beyonce and Kanye. Yours is Bella Thorne and Lil Xan. So get your shit together, Emma. She says I need to reevaluate my priorities. She's like, no, 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 no. I like I like big neck too. <laughs> it's wide neck. Okay, sorry. Okay, maybe like 0.1% of the people got that reference. Okay, um, a couple, one last thing. I always call him Big Neck. You always get so offended. You're like, it's Wide Neck, it's Wide Neck. Wide Neck is the guy that, that the, the criminal that was arrested um, and in Florida, you know what he is? He, and he literally became famous for his mugshot for having like the most giant neck and he capitalized on that and started working with Supreme Patty and now has made so much money. He's in jail again, but for having a large neck. Okay, I'm not going to get into it. I love your legacy. Everybody, everybody's going to turn this off. Okay, Um we have to. We haven't actually touched on the podcast about Kim and Kanye's sync. 
<laughs> How? Wait, How? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Okay, backtrack for one second, which is last week when they when we're talking about Vogue and someone came out and was like, you know, I don't know. I don't really think that it was their master bedroom. And me and Julie were like, it was a thousand percent their master bedroom and their master bathroom. And we saw a peak of it and we're like, oh my God, that shower could literally house like the entirety of the United States. Like we need to see more. And we say that. And then the fucking next day, Kim posts an entire tour of her bathroom. And we got so many inboxes like, do you think Kim listens to the podcast? And I was like, we would literally never flatter ourselves by saying that because there is a 0% chance in my mind that Kim Kardashian is listening to our podcast. However, the fact that those two things lined up was very much divine intervention and we are thrilled for it. So thank you for giving us the bathroom tour that we so craved. Literally the sinks. But that's how it all started was that somebody posted a picture. I was like, can someone explain Kim and Kanye's sink? Because like, yeah, I, I didn't, like, it, it didn't click in my head when I first saw it. It's a flat surface. like Or yeah. so it seemed. Or so it seemed. <laughs> to, the, to the naked eye, it was a flat surface. And obviously, as we know about sinks, the water <laughs> has to go somewhere. And the water, if it's on a flat surface, would not stay on the surface. So there was a lot of confusion there, understandably. So everyone's like, what the fuck is going on with these sinks? So Truly, thank you, everybody who was like, do you think she listens to the podcast? No, I don't think she listens to the podcast on the top of having a makeup brand and being a parent and studying 18 hours a week for law school. But (laughs) I think that she probably noticed online that everyone was freaking out about this sink and thus, like, started to explain it. So she was like, here's here's how it works. She gave us a close-up. It's, like, it's very slightly, like— Slanted. Concaved, I guess is the word. Is that the right word? I don't know. But I'm, just, I'm like nodding. I don't know. Sure. Is that, is that geometry? What, what, what like subject would that be in? Geometry? Yeah, geometry. I didn't do well. I didn't do well in it. I only did well. <laughs> Let's in, just say it's slanted. Yeah, I only did well in history and English. It's a little slanted. It's a little slanted, a little caved in. Um, and there is a small little drain that's like a, a little like um, slit. Yeah. What's the shape of it? It's like a Twinkie. It's yeah. the shape of a Twinkie, whatever that shape is. Yeah. Like a like an elongated oval. Yeah. Anyway, so, and the water goes down that. And Jonathan Chabon did a whole video also where he got really close. And that's when you were able to really see the slant, <laughs> put his hand in it. And I was like, oh. No, you don't. Okay, I need to say something. We were watching these stories like we were fucking scientists. Like my life depended like, on it. I have never in my life been so interested. I was pausing Jonathan's story. I was going back. I was, I rewatched it maybe 10 times just so I could get the full scope of how these sinks work. Like my dream, if you would have asked me prior to this, like, what's your one Kardashian related dream? I'd be like, I would do anything to wake up in Kris Jenner's closet. That changed. As of last week, my dream is now to wake up in Kim and Kanye's bathroom. Like that was, it suddenly became the most iconic room in a Kardashian house. Like Kylie's closet suddenly became not as, not as like, iconic. Everything else ceased to exist in that moment. In that moment. Um, So thank you, Kim, for giving us that tour. I think we were all fascinated by it. And like, yeah, good question. By the way, where's the soap, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. That's That's the other thing. They put the soap and their toothbrushes away every single time. People don't do that, right? I am all for the minimalistic approach. I think it's beautiful and it looks amazing. But how do you think they, like, do you think they, for, for example, when they want to shower, right? Do you think they have like a rolling cart of stuff that comes out of the toiletries or do you think they leave it there? You're right. I don't see any. Yeah, there was nothing on the bath. There was nothing in the shower. I mean, listen, I guess I I don't think this is the case because I think they're crazy enough that it's always like this. But I guess one could argue that they put everything away for when Vogue came and they just didn't want anything out. 
Um, and then like on a normal day when they shower, the soap's just there all the time because I, listen, let me tell you, I'm all for minimalism. It's obviously, but there's not a chance in the world that if, if my house ran like that, that I would get into the shower and remember to bring soap with me. When I forget my like face wash in the sink and I'm in the shower, like getting out of the shower to go get that face wash is a motherfucker. Like I hate yeah, having to, do, you have to keep two face washes, but I'm saying I hate having to do any extra work. So the fact, Ever. so the fact that like, not only are you going to, um, you're going to have to take an entire toiletry cart just to shower. That seems in- incredibly excessive, doesn't it? Yes. I Again, I, I don't mean to criticize. <laughs> yeah, we, we respect the artistic vision. We're just curious. I guess we have a million questions. Yeah. Literally, Kim would come on this podcast like in our dream world, which, as you know, I keep manifesting because I think it's going to happen one day. And she's going to like expect to answer these like very intelligent questions about like her law degree. And we're like, we just want to talk about the bathroom for a quarter of a second. Yeah, and then <laughs> I would have like the literally most inconsequential. That's the thing about our questions with Kim is they'd be so inconsequential that she'd be able to answer all of them. Like we wouldn't be throwing hard hitters at her where she's like, I don't know if I can answer that. Like, I can't we're say not, that. Like, we're not like, like, so do you have anything to say about us? Uh, speculation that OJ is Chloe's father. We're like, so you're six. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be able to answer every one of our questions because they're so inconsequential. It'd be, oh we noticed God. We noticed in the tour that you have two different settings for your light switches. Um, do you prefer them dim typically or? Oh, three different settings. Like, like, you know what I mean? And like, also, um, I noticed that you let your kids eat in bed. My parents don't really let me do that. Was there, was there a decision that was put into that? Was Kanye okay with that? Was that just for the Vogue interview or? Uh, are they always allowed to eat in bed? Are they always allowed to eat in bed? Yeah. I mean, should, should, should we keep going? What's the inside of your car like? Yeah, is it messy or are we all clean? Are we all clean? When you get out of the car, is there security that waits there? Do they like escort you? Do you help the kids clean up the playroom? Are the kids responsible for cleaning up their own playroom or is somebody there to always clean the playroom when the kids are done playing? Is there it? a standing attendant in every room that just wipes the surfaces the second that anything is put on them? How do the kids feel about that when they go to other people's houses and don't have to put the stuff away the same? That's why... Let's go back to that. When North was at JoJo's house and she was just able to throw glitter all over the fucking place, of course she did. She had no idea. She couldn't. But no. You know what I mean? Like, this is probably what she thinks other people do in their non, like, minimalist houses. And they're not monastery houses. No, it was the best day in North's life. Yeah, it really was. Okay, from now on, I think next episode, I want to do an entire segment where we literally just list all of the questions that we have for Kim. Like, like we just did, but like, extended. Exactly like no, that. No, 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 because there are literally so okay, many. Okay, so let's write We a list. should do that. Wait, no, I have the best idea for an episode. We should do a list of all of the Kardashians and all of the inconsequential questions that we have. Done. Like, shit that everybody's curious then, okay, about. You know what we'll do that on? I love when we plan things on the podcast. The next time there's not an episode, like the next time there's a break from a Kardashian episode, we'll, we'll write we'll that We'll do a list. bonus show. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Like, Kendall, where were you when the Pepsi commercial backlash struck? Oh my God. Like little things like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so many. There's so many. Oh my God. What about the, like, did the pilots on the plane have to sign NDAs? Like when Chloe was going to, when they were going to, uh, Chloe's giving birth in Ohio. Everything. Everything. Every, oh my every, God, I have so oh many questions. God. Also, one last thing that we want to say in, this, in the Kardashian recap is that this morning we got sent to us and then it was deleted. Victoria Villaroyal, I, I think that's how you say her last name, who is Kylie's assistant and like chief of staff, commented on Jordan's most recent bikini picture and then deleted the comment or the comment was deleted. But that did happen. We saw proof of it. Does that, to me, that like, that's a good sign in terms of their friendship because I think Victoria's, yeah, she was close to Jordan, but her loyalty is to Kylie. So she's not going to comment that if her and Ky- if Jordan and Kylie are on like terrible terms. Also interesting that somebody at Coachella asked Jordan and her mom about Kylie. And like Jordan's initial response was like, I, I have love for everybody. And they were like, but do you love Kylie? And and she said, I'll always love Kylie. And, and her, Jordan's mom was like, we will always love Kylie. And then they said, do you have any message? And Jordan didn't, didn't say anything. And her mom was like, we love you, Kylie. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I told you, I, I think there's still a lot of hope there. Yeah, there definitely is. Anyway, I think that that is it for today. Um, we will see you guys next week on Monday for our bonus show. And then again on Tuesday for our regular episode. We love you. We adore you. And uh, we really appreciate the review. So if you want to keep doing that, that would I not love <laughs> it wouldn't suck. Well, no, it just really helps us. Um, and we will see you next time. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.